0: Sony is reportedly boosting PS5 production, which seems—I uh, mean, we're we're kind of early here to be boosting production. Uh, how do? What do they base this on? Hmm. How do they know what the demand is going to be? What do they? Do they look at Google Trends like we do, and they just see PS5 skyrocketing and say, "Oh man, maybe we got the math wrong on that one." Yeah, right. Maybe that's what they do. I don't know, but apparently they're going to boost production by fifty percent. Sony is ordering at least 50% more PlayStation 5 consoles than it had originally planned to ship this year, according to reports in the Japanese press. It was expecting to move 6 million consoles in 2020. Now, that figure could reach 10 million. It's hmm. a lot of PlayStations, Will. So they're
1: ready for launch.
0: You know what it is? They've been watching Lou later, and they look at the clips where we talk about PlayStation 5, and they say, couple of views. Yeah. A couple people interested. Maybe 10 million people.
1: All their charts in the meeting is just a mm. little uh, later. That's right.
0: They just post the clips up there. Uh, no, there's other factors that play into it. Obviously, the lockdown is a big contributor. We have seen uh, gaming in general and gaming equipment go out of stock. A lot of people are becoming game streamers. Yes. Uh, it's just people are sitting at home. So, what would you do if you're sitting at home? Well, you you you'd play games. You'd buy yourself a PlayStation. You'd mm-hmm. load up uh, Warzone or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. What are you playing right now?
1: <laughs> well, I just finished uh, Last of Us Two.
0: Whoa! Hang uh, on a minute. Yeah, I know. You I were know. boycotting, and well, I wasn't boycotting. You were sort of. You were on the fringe of boycott. Oh. Yeah. So you played it. You couldn't. You couldn't resist, and you had yourself <laughs> a time, didn't you?
1: Uh. Yeah, it Uh-oh. was a time.
0: Is this so a review good. right now?
1: Uh, no, no. I would say that uh, I did beat it, and it was good.
0: Okay, we're going to leave it there. Spo- no spoilers.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll talk off air.
0: We're going to leave it there for now. That was intense. So anyways, they, they expect to sell a bunch of these things, and I guess that's that means gamers are interested, based on whatever metrics they're using to analyze this. If the same could be said maybe for the upcoming Xbox, maybe we're about to be a part of the resurgence of the console because it wasn't too long ago where people said, eh, people don't want to spend on this stuff. It's all mobile gaming, and that's where everything's going. And turns out, all you do is lock people in their houses, and they start to love the console again. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's all it is. Uh, Actually, Facebook is also ramping up their production of Oculus VR headsets, according as well to the Japanese press. They had a goal of pushing growth to 2 million units in the second half of 2020, which would be up 50% on their entire output for 2019. So people also gravitating towards the VR experiences trapped at home. What can I do? I'm in my apartment. I'm going crazy. Give me the VR. Mm. So that's going on as well. Uh, It could be a new product. Facebook could be working on a new Oculus product. I know you are a big fan of which one? The Quest?
1: The Oculus Quest, yeah.
0: You're a big Quest guy.
1: Because it's uh,
0: wireless. So there's the Quest. They got the Rift, and maybe they're working on something new. Mm -hmm. And in between, I'm not really sure. But the wireless component, you feel free. uh, Therefore, the you forget you're wearing something. You're more immersed. This is your report to me, Will.
1: Yeah, it's great. I recommend it.
0: That's your go-to right now. How much is the this one go for? It's around 500 bucks. 550
1: Canadian. Okay. For the 64 gig. So
0: depending which version you go for, it's an all-in-one, do-it-all type of thing. Uh, but but like I said, in order to build, in order to grow further, they may be launching another new product, and uh, and they're looking forward to shipping more. So paying off for Facebook. It was yeah. an odd acquisition at the time. People thought, what is Facebook trying to do here with Oculus? They did good. This is weird. And then now you're trying to see some things come together that even Willie Do likes, and Willie Do likes very little. Mm-hmm. It was maybe a day, maybe two days ago, we were talking about Oppo and the fact that they were going to release 120, or not release, but announce, show off 125 watt smartphone. Crazy, I mean, it's hard, you've got to call it even beyond fast charging at this point. It's just, it's really uh, hyper charging. Does anyone use that language? Probably, someone does. Uh, anyways, they showed, showed off 125 watt tech that'll charge up, uh, a 4,000 hour phone in 20 minutes. This, uh, a lot of people are skeptical of this tech or they're nervous about this tech saying, oh my goodness, it's going to be so much heat. My battery is going to explode, this and that. And uh, Oppo claims that they got it figured out. They say, hey, leave it to us. We're going to keep the temperature down. We're going to put sensors all over it to make sure it doesn't overheat. Uh by keeping the, the temperature down, it's also going to extend the lifespan of that particular battery. Look at the beautiful graphic. Super VOOC. That was 2.0 on the channel on Unbox Therapy. And that was some quick Googling by Willie Dewey. Brings up the, the video. He shows it off. It's unbelievable. We didn't plan that. The headline figures of the system are that it can charge a 4,000 hour battery in 20 minutes and uh, 41% of that battery in five minutes. That's some real-time stuff if you watch it. This would beat Oppo's own record for fast charging uh, battery of that size by around 10 minutes, a huge improvement. It'll be a bigger charger, by the way, which is important to note as well. They also put out a much faster wireless charger at 65 watts. If you scroll down a little bit on this article, you'll see that unit. It's called AirVook as it would be called, as you would do if you were into the Vook business. Yeah. Put an air on front of it, in front of it, and so that's uh, that's some some new tech as well to bring some of that fast charging capability to the wireless folks as well, which is kind of nice. Now, if you click over to the next tab, you'll actually see a video demonstration. This is the new piece of this 125 watt live flash charge. Check the speed, and you let this play, and of course, it's sped up a little bit. But you watch this clock when they turn the power on, mm. and my God, that is satisfying. If that doesn't get you going, I don't know what will. You're in the wrong business if that doesn't get you going, Will. And so, the temperature gauge. Five minutes, you were almost at 50%. And now we're still flying. And look at this. It's going to hit 20 minutes, and it's going to be 100%. That's some next level. Super Vuk and uh, and Oppo's behind it. So it's uh, some really impressive stuff. You plug in your phone, you unplug it, and you got juice for the whole day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an incredible thing to see. Yes, it's sped up, okay, but just five minutes, half your battery. And they also have the temperature sensor like you said so they are monitoring it they're aware of it they care about it uh, long term of course we got you gotta wait to see how it uh how, how the reliability looks and all the rest of it but technology man I'm a technology fan all right, all right? I'll see the comments people say you don't need all that but None. if I can get it then it's kind of it's kind of cool uh speaking of chargers, and the controversial iPhone story about no charger shipping in the box, apparently in the absence of a charger coming with your next generation iPhone, iPhone 12, instead of uh, getting the usual package, you're going to get an upgrade on your cable. little cable upgrade, well, mm,
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> well, they have that. So. <laughs> so the only other thing supposedly is going to be in the box with the iPhone 12 is this singular cable. This is a USB Type-C 2 Lightning cable. They're not making a full transition to Type-C. And apparently, it's a bit of an upgrade with the braided styling. Now, Apple has never shipped shipped a braided cable with its mobile devices. The only braided cable, you would know this, Will, comes with the Thunderbolt cable, the high-end one for those, uh, what are those displays? What do they even call those displays? What? Those 6K, those fancy displays. They got a name for it?
1: Uh, 8 XDR?
0: There you go. Look at no. you. <laughs> I actually didn't have that. I wasn't playing around oh, there. Okay, I couldn't right. remember the name of it. Yeah. Pro Display X. DR. Uh, anyways, so, yeah, they're taking your power brick from you, but they may upgrade your cable. Now, what's weird here, though, Will, is that this thing terminates. It's, so it's lightning on one side, which everybody expected, but it terminates in a USB Type-C style mm. connector. Here's a problem. Very few people actually have the Type-C connector with yeah. their iPhone. It would only be from the previous generation yeah. or maybe an iPhone or an iPad Pro buyer that might have the Type-C connector on their pre-existing charger. There's way more people out there with the traditional or the typical USB Type-A port on their charger. So this whole environmental status, saving the world from e-waste story might not map out the way that Apple's going to pitch it. Because the truth of the matter is, if you have one of these 5-watt chargers, that thing's useless to you with this particular cable. Now, granted, you have your old cable still, but you want to use this nice new braided, you got this nice new cable in the box. Mm. So there's a little extra incentive to upgrade your power brick and, of course, pay Apple more money and uh, buy another box from them, which the environment doesn't like boxes either, does mm-hmm. it? No. So anyway, I, I, I understand the, uh, the motivation on Apple's end to try to uh, create a path towards this thing. But maybe the real solution is creating drop-down menus when you order the thing, depending on what your scenario is going to be. So you could say you could pick your cable, pick your charger... Maybe it's almost like how you spec out a computer when mm-hmm. you're on the Apple website. Maybe that's a way to do it. Or
1: like Chipotle.
0: It's like Chipotle. Yeah. Although didn't we have a problem the other day with the wasn't it Kirk talking about the extra guac cost that was very upsetting to him?
1: Yeah, they asked you.
0: Yeah. Well, time. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know what they're doing over there. I haven't been to Chipotle in forever, so yeah. I guess it would be more of a more of a DoorDash, UberEats situation right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of Chipotle orders. Yeah. Uh. Uh, yesterday, yesterday we're talking about the investment, the Qualcomm investment in GEO, the Indian telecommunications company, the biggest, the massive telecommunications company. And then today, this story hits my feed. Google says it's going to invest $10 billion into India, and then half of that is going towards GEO. Wow. Almost $5 billion, which makes that Qualcomm investment look like nada.
1: So invest in geo?
0: Makes it look like nothing. Uh, Google is the second large Silicon Valley tech company to buy a stake in geo platforms. After Facebook on Monday, Google announced it'll invest 10 billion in India over the next few years. Two days later, the company revealed a key detail. Key detail.
1: That was close.
0: Nearly half of the money will go to the top to a top telecom operator owned by Asia's richest man. The internet giant will invest 45 billion dollars into geo platforms as part of a plan to increase access for hundreds of millions in india who don't own a smartphone this comes from google ceo sundar pichai he tweeted this out and uh, this is a big stake man this is a big move mm-hmm. and you look at it on the surface you say okay well what are they going to do what do they mean by that they're they're gonna uh they're gonna increase access to hundreds of millions in India who don't own a smartphone. You know what this means, Will? They're actually going to collab on a smartphone. Mm. You didn't expect that. You didn't see that coming. As part of the geo investment, Google and geo will work together to create an affordable entry level Android smartphone for more than 500 million Indians who still don't have access to the internet. Mm. That's a big number. Yeah. That's a bigger number than the entire population of the U.S. That's how big the market still has to get in India. All the extra people that have to come online. Now it's important to note, you're well aware of this, Will. That the operating system of choice in India is Android. Mm-hmm. So you understand why Google has to stay invested in this thing. Yep. And uh, it actually accounts for 99% of the mobile operators. How Apple barely got that little piece in there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it makes sense for them to shake hands on this and also work together. And all I got to say is, man, Geo is shaking some hands. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they're not shaking hands. They're touching elbows in 2020. But nonetheless, Mm. they're making moves. Business. And they have a tremendous number of customers. I feel like I just need to let you know. Geo is the country's largest telecom carrier with 370 million subscribers. That's more subscribers than the population of the United States Mm -hmm. by some estimates. Yes whoa, that's some big business. Mm. And I know you're a big business guy yourself. Yeah. yeah. So Geo keeps doing it. Google's going to take a piece of it. Google's going to get involved. And a shout out to the 500 million in India about to come online. They're going to try to help you out. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But Geo has a track record, I should say, of delivering a lot for a little. Yeah. I've seen the data costs across the globe adjusted for those regions. And people in India are really getting... An amazing deal on mobile,
1: mm-hmm.
0: mobile data. It's incredible and fast speeds, and it's likely it appears it's going to be the same thing moving forward when 5G kicks around. So exciting times for India. Back to school spending could hit a record as parents are buying costly technology for their kids at home. Uh, this apparently, you know, a lot a lot of people are out of work with the with the uh, lockdown stuff. And they're doing a video conferencing, and they're on the Zoom, and so are the students. A lot of students are not going to school as well, hmm. and so you put those two things together, and you say to yourself, "Well, people are out of work, maybe they're not spending as much." You're curious how people are going to act with the back to school stuff, but it turns out, based on uh, based on some investigation here, and and I guess uh, some surveying, as you would do to get some to gather some info, some intel. People are actually going to spend more this back to school on technology. And the reason being is because they don't know. They got a lot of questions. Are pe- kids going to go back? They got that janky old computer over there. Should they get an upgrade? If they're going to be sat at home, if they're going to be uh, at the dining room table, mm-hmm. maybe it's time to think about investing in in a better a better laptop, a nicer headset, an ex- another laptop because they keep stealing, the kids stealing the parents' equipment. Yes. But as the longer this thing goes, people start to really consider a future in which, even if it's partial, that there's going to just be a lot more education taking place at a distance. And it goes across the whole spectrum. goes from elementary school into high school and, of course, all the way up to college as well. I don't know if you saw the report. Harvard, they just said, we're going to do it all from home. And some people are upset because they said, we're going to also charge the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. And so there was a little bit of, uh, outrage on Twitter, but you're not surprised to find outrage on Twitter. No, no, because that's where outrage tends to go, doesn't it?
1: That's where it's born.
0: Somehow finds its way onto Twitter. It's got a fast express lane. Is yeah. that outrage you got there? Because <laughs> uh, we're that's exactly what we're looking for. Yeah, come on it. Yeah, outrage. come come right here. Parents of kids in elementary through high school plan to spend an average of seven hundred eighty nine forty nine per family. That's USD, topping a previous record of. 696.70. So, spent pretty big increase, almost a $100 increase there. This is according to the National Retail Federation. They do an annual survey. College students go even higher. They're expected to spend 1059 and 20 cents per family. That's up from 976. Most parents don't know whether their children will be sitting in a classroom or in front of a computer in the dining room, as I as I mentioned. But they do know the value of an education so uh what does this mean Will? well well a couple things spending goes up so the retail sector starts to say okay maybe maybe there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel here mm-hmm. problem is these people aren't going to some brick and mortar store they're going to order this stuff online right let's yeah. be honest it's going straight to amazon mm-hmm. whatever this extra spending is going straight to amazon maybe best buy gets a small piece but it's going straight to amazon and, and, and there's some other things here other implications Remember when you were in school and you showed up, you had the wrong outfit? And everybody's like, look at this guy. This guy can't be friends with us. He got the wrong outfit. I'm not saying it's yeah. right. I'm just, you know, school could be it could be harsh like that. Uh, so you would then go to your parents. You say, I got to have the better. I, I need an upgrade on the sneakers. They're casting me out. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying you should do that either. You could be cool. You don't need any of that. But that's sort of how things operate sometimes. Well, you don't have any of this going on. And the same thing happened to the business casual clothing for adults. Where you may spend more on technology now, if you don't have to go out in public as much, yeah. show off as frequently, yeah. you could just sit there. You just All you need is a shirt. And you yeah. sit at the dining room table. No one's seeing the sneakers. Mm-hmm. So the department stores are in real trouble regardless. The malls are in real trouble regardless. And it looks like Amazon's just going to... I'm guessing this is going to vacuum up all that extra spending yeah. as you would if you were Amazon and if your name was Jeff Bezos. Uh, Texas County approves tax breaks for Tesla if it builds a $1.1 billion car plant near Austin. Tesla's been looking for a place to build this Cybertruck. You know, a lot of demand, a lot of interest in that Cybertruck. And so different regions have been uh, attempting to court them to say come on over here we know you're going to bring some jobs with you mm-hmm. yeah, or you're going to you're going to deliver some jobs to this region people are looking for jobs right now uh unemployment is up in a lot of regions due to the lockdown as mentioned in the previous story and so he's getting pitched from Texas and near Austin getting pitched from Oklahoma near Tulsa A couple places that this uh that this factory could go
1: is it uh one of those giga factories
0: well i don't know what what accounts to a gigafactory they're, they just call all their facilities gigafactories I see or does it have to hit a certain actually the next story is going to, going to be talking about a gigafactory this would probably be that I don't know if it has to be a certain scale to be called that right but anyways it would be the the plant responsible for uh the cyber truck hmm. yeah it's they're going to call it a gigafactory I think they call every factory a gigafactory For for car production. I'm pretty sure. Every car production facility they do, I think they call it a gigafactory because they did the same thing in Shanghai, right? Yeah. Travis County in Texas has voted to give Tesla tax breaks worth a minimum of $14.7 million to build a new car plant and eventually employ thousands near the Austin airport. The site where Tesla has proposed to build the next gigafactory is known as the Austin Green Development. Tesla still has to purchase the land. Uh, for an estimated $5 million, plus another $1.1 billion at least to build the plant. These are high-tech plants going on there. Uh, so they had a little conversation in their uh, city hall type of setup. Some people for it, some people against it. Obviously, on the for side is the idea of uh, economic improvement, jobs, all the rest of it. On the flip side, people say, uh, what are they going to pay people? What's the minimum wage? Can we have a union? You know, your usual conversations yep. that will happen in a, in a situation like that. In February 2020, the Texas Workforce Commission reported 19,342 unemployed in the county in which the proposition exists. So in Travis County, 20,000 unemployed, which is an un- unemployment rate of 2.6. But by May 2020, because of the outbreak, that went up to 81,000 unemployed, which is a rate of 11.6. So there's going to be tough to keep them out. If if Tesla wants to be there, it's going to be hard to imagine that people wouldn't want these jobs. It's going to be hard to imagine that. Tesla has said that uh, they'll provide a minimum wage of at least $15 an hour for food service and custodial workers. But people are concerned with the higher paying jobs and what those are going to look like as well. But uh, it remains to be seen. There's no decisions been made. It's a it's a it's a curious uh, it's a curious situation. Mm-hmm. If Tesla goes there or goes, but it does seem like Elon is interested in the idea of diversifying away from strictly being in Fremont, there in California. Yes, he, He's not the most friendly with a lot of these California uh, uh, politicians. If you remember, I don't know. There's a back and forth on Twitter. Mm. Remember what I said about Twitter earlier? Yeah, outrage. Yeah, there's a back and forth on Twitter. Uh, here we have a report, a teaser of another Gigafactory. I know you love the word. You're, you're keeping, me, uh, keeping me honest on the word here. Gigafactory, big factory. Uh, this is an image that, a render that was shared on Elon Musk's uh, Twitter account. And it's for Berlin. And this, I don't know what you think about these renders. It looks pretty futuristic. Mm-hmm. He's got the Tesla semi trucks all lined up on the side of it. He made a couple jokes as well. Suggesting that there would be a swimming pool on top. I think he might be joking about it. I don't know. I don't think he actually means that's going to happen. Uh, this model, or this Gigafactory is uh, likely going to be for the Model Y. The new Model Y, I believe. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Behind the clean, futuristic theme of Gigafactory Berlin, the facility is... Evidently optimized for efficiency. A look at the sides of the facility shows that it is filled with loading bays for trucks. This is similar to Tesla's strategy in Gigafactory Shanghai. The Model 3 ramp, after all, has been amazingly smooth in Shanghai. So, obviously, the Chinese uh, Model 3s or Model 3s destined for China now coming out of Shanghai directly. I believe this one's going to be for the Model Y, though. I'm fairly certain. And a lot of interest, a lot of attention has been placed on the model. Why that's a nice image. That's a cool Yeah, image. I saw
1: this one. I was trying to look for it.
0: What is that? That's like a some sort of a, just a water feature in front? <laughs> With the pool, yeah. I, I don't With the pool up there. Oh, it does I have a pool. So, yeah. It does have a pool on the on the roof and some okay. Some beds. Yeah, maybe beds, they do it. You know? It's pretty cool. Those are solar panels on top, very futuristic. And one thing you don't see apparently that's been hidden in the design is the smokestacks, the chimneys. Uh-huh. You don't see any chimneys. No. which is is uh, kind of typical when you're looking at a large facility. So this is, uh, according to Elon Musk, 20 minutes from the new international airport and 30 minutes from Berlin. And it'll have its own train station. Now, I've been to Berlin a few times because that's where IFA happens. Mm-hmm. And the airport is a little, the T- Teagle Airport is, is it's old. It's a little rickety. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a bit weird. Uh, it has some charm to it, but... This is a big deal. They're getting that new a new big international airport and a new a new big Tesla Gigafactory. Uh, that city's going going much going modern. It's going and, places. Yeah. And that's kinda cool. Uh speaking of the Model Y, I found this video on Inside EVs. This dude is not happy about his Model Y. All right. So well, what is his YouTube channel, by the way, this guy? Just give him a shout out. Technology Expo is the YouTube channel which it was then uh, posted about on Inside EVs, and this guy, I-, I watched the whole video. I watched 11 minutes. He does this exhaustive, up and down inspection of his new Model Y, and he's not happy about it. Will, you know? Really? He, well, he finds a couple of things he doesn't like. He goes around looking for the fit, the pe- the fit of the various panels that they've. Uh, Tesla has had some issues in the past with the quality control. And so he goes around. He looks at the tolerances. He looks at the the seams and the gaps, what they call panel gaps in the in the car business. And it's a type of thing in manufacturing which uh, requires a certain amount of attention to detail. Uh, robots, you know, the automated assembly lines attempt to eliminate this type of this type of error. He speculates that a lot of the issues he runs has run into may have to do with welding. Mm-hmm. But, but what this boils down to is these type of uh, um, imperfections that are mostly superficial, not functional. Okay. So he finds, for example, the charge cap, the charge port, the door on the charge port. It it bulges out more than more than it should. That's the charge. There it is right there. So it's supposed to be seamless with the taillight, and it bulges out. And if you could go look at the other side of the vehicle, it actually is different. It's indented. And then he finds on the front headlight that one of them has a huge gap in between oh. the hood and the other one does not. And the same thing with the door. And he just goes, it's exhaustive. Right. It's it's kind of hard to make it through the whole thing, but it's kind of understandable. He spent $61,000 on the thing and you might, uh, you might inspect it if mm-hmm. it was yours. And you may... Uh, uh, pay a lot of attention to this kind of stuff. It may bug you over time, these misalignments and things like this. And then the other thing he found is a problem Tesla has had as well in the past, which is the paint work, where there's a number of imperfections in the paint that he's also able to find and, uh, and obviously be unhappy with. He's got the white paint job on there. Basically, the conclusion of the video, at least where this guy sets his expectation, is that you should hold off buying a Model Y since it's Gen 1 and they're and they're sorting things out. Another speculation he has is that there's shared components that might not fit well because they're being pulled from the Model 3 to mm. fit into the Model Y. Um, this, this thing is going to be a popular vehicle like any other vehicle where you're rushing to meet uh, a high demand and making cars is hard and this kind of stuff happens. hmm and so, if you are very sensitive to this kind of stuff, you're going to want to hold off being an early early adopter of this particular model, and and that's that's sort of the message of the video. However, I just I don't know why I, I have a little bit of sympathy here only because, uh, like like I said, it's it, you think about the systems that have been put in place in, in in Japan at the Toyota plant, the level of inspection and processes over decades mm-hmm. to get to the attention level necessary to to be able to replicate results over and over again and shrink gaps and all the rest of it. It's just, I have a lot of appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine how difficult it is as a new company to get to that level from a quality control perspective. Right Now, granted, the guy goes on the inside of the vehicle. He says it's pretty much okay on the inside. You can check it out for yourself if you're curious or if you're considering a Model Y, I think you might find this video to be useful. At least to set your expectations. Because the last piece I'll add on it, he took it to the service center and said, Look, here's all these imperfections, things I don't like. And they said, Look, that's within our spec. Oh. And he said, he said, What kind of a spec is that? And they said, Look, it's within our spec. And they touched up a few spots and so look, it depends where you land. I don't know. Let me ask you, Will, if if you found these type of things on your new Model Y, you spend uh, 61,000 US so this model if you got it that's almost 80 grand 90 mm-hmm. grand so it's, it's you know it's a pretty ca- penny in, in Canadian dollars oh yeah and yeah, yeah. so and so you get it and you start looking around and you notice these little discrepancies are you the guy that says eh, new model I knew what to expect you're not no
1: well I just want to say thank you for this guy I appreciate it because I would be looking at these videos you would. As like a way of referencing okay my Model Y would kind of look the same as his, right? Yes. Let's just look at the production.
0: But my question to you is Are you the guy that can still enjoy the car with these type of uh, discrepancies? Or are you the guy that's like, this is unacceptable?
1: Well, I would have to see the video um, okay. based on like little things. Like I saw like a. Go, there's a little... the headlight,
0: okay? So it doesn't line up. You see how it extends over the ridge of the bumper?
1: Yeah, that's fine for me.
0: That's fine, okay.
1: Yeah, but if there's like a like a little scratch on it, like something like this. They t-
0: they try to touch it up.
1: Come on. Like yeah, just just fix it.
0: Wow. I would. All right. Willie do, we learn something new about uh, Willie do every yeah. day. He's a perfectionist. you will not be touching up his car. You will be fixing it right. Yeah. As far as he's concerned. No, I I hear you, man. I hear you for the record. I hear you. Bro.
1: Are you on the same boat or what?
0: Uh I'm both. Like I said, I'm, it's hard thing for me to, to, to cover because I'm, I'm, I root for, I, I still consider Tesla to be an upstart, even though it's yeah, the 10th, oh yeah. 10th most valuable stock. Yeah, yeah. I, I think of them as a startup and I'm, I never imagined a new American automaker. I never imagined a new American automaker who would shift the industry towards a different energy source. There's so many pieces, it's a complicated thing in your head. You want to root for them, but then at the same time, you want to hold them to the same standard as you would if you bought a Honda yes. or a Toyota because then they get to that level. Mm-hmm. So I'm fully understandable about it. I think I would just, uh, what would I say? I would I would fall somewhere in the middle in the as middle. far as what I'd be willing to accept. I hear you. Yep. Uh, this guy, I think, is on the far end of the spectrum where all the gaps bother him a lot. Mm-hmm. So... Well, Well, we can ask. The audience can say, I mean, what level of perfection they're looking for here. But I think most people would want more perfection than what's being showcased in Mm -hmm. this video. This is a crazy, weird, deep fake story, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I went to I went another story ahead. Actually, you know what? Let's do that story first. No, no, (laughs) let's do this story (laughs) first because it stays on the electric vehicle thing. Speaking about uh, upcoming electric vehicles, there's a new one called the Nissan uh, area, it's not the one in the video there. That's the old Leaf. I never liked the Leaf, uh, just no. the styling of it. Okay. Uh, it just to me, uh, it didn't it didn't look like a futuristic vehicle, the Nissan Leaf, and they never sold that many. Actually, to be honest, mm-hmm. it, it it just wasn't striking enough to me. It Sort of looks like a typical hatchback. Nothing against it. I mean, it's an efficient vehicle. That's the aim of it to be efficient, mm. but I just you know you just feel they could do a little more. And so it's a decade ago that they launched the Leaf, and now they got this new one, which I actually think looks a little better. Now it's not going to be the, the the styling is not going to be to everyone's taste. And actually, if you scroll down a little bit more, you look at the nice minimal interior. It has some capacitive right. capacitive buttons on the wood trim dash, which actually light up. It's just it's mm-hmm. more futuristic. Yep. And scroll down a little bit more, and you see the uh, the the there's the lights. Uh, the oh, capacitive cool. buttons that Is light that a up. a wood panel? On, a, on top of a wood panel, yeah. Or inside of a wood panel. And then the back doesn't look that bad. I don't know how you feel about the two-tone color thing going on, but ultimately, this just feels like a more special vehicle than the Leaf ever did. Now, as mentioned, they've been selling the Leaf for a while, but it was never a huge hit in the U.S. In fact, in 2019, they only moved 12,365 units. Since its launch, they moved about half a million. So it's, either way, It's uh, they they appear to have some level of commitment to the electric vehicle, which makes sense given the growth in that particular segment. This model here, apparently capable of delivering a 300-mile range, and this will end up being a direct competitor to, this, to the vehicle from the last story with mm. the panel gaps and all the rest of it, the Model Y. That's going to be Nissan's Model Y, really. Mm-hmm. And it'll start at $40,000, 300-mile range, And so there you have it. Nissan is also committed. And we'll see how they've been making cars for a while. Yeah. So they're going to be checking those panel gaps. This deepfake story is very strange, Will. Um, There's a... You know how people are always scared of the thing. Oh, you could make a politician say whatever you want because you have deepfakes now. This is more... I think this is more practical and more immediate. We are talking about deepfake individuals who don't exist identities that don't exist that are out in the world and on social media and participating and writing articles and living an artificial identity that allows the individual to do and say whatever some minute manip- master manipulator or puppet may want I'll just give you an idea right now oh kind of like that so you're currently like a digital this, influencer this digital influencer though is a, is obviously cg Whereas the deep fake tech, I don't know if I should say obviously CG, but she, she's a she's a, a generated, digitally generated, as opposed to deep fake tech, which maps other facial components that are human.
1: Hmm.
0: Like go back to the go back to the story that I was talking about. So if you look at the image, that's not a real guy. That's it's not. the, the the speculation—that's not a real human on the left. That's not a person, or that's not a person that exists. That's not Gary. <laughs> no, I think what was his name? Uh, He's really uh, lifelike. This guy is supposedly a British student and a freelance writer by the name of Oliver Taylor. However, the heat map on the right is a new software developed by a Tel Aviv-based deepfake detection company that highlights, via a heat map, the areas within the photo that are likely to be generated via deep fake technology. Hmm. So that's like a scanner that can be applied to an image to give you a likelihood of whether or not what you're seeing is authentic or if it's been manipulated or generated by a computer. So, so in this guy's case, it finds it in the eyes and in the mouth mostly.
1: So his eyes and mouth are fake? Like it's super com- imposed or something?
0: Well, the suggestion here from from this particular firm is that the entire identity is fake.
1: Oh, so so what's with the heat map?
0: The heat, ma- the heat map identifies the regions that indicate whether it's a fake or not. So the, the majority of the manipulation of this particular image happened in the eyes and the mouth. I see, right. Uh, online profiles describe him as a coffee lo- lover and politics junkie who was raised in a traditional Jewish home. His half dozen freelance editorials and blog posts reveal an active interest in Jewish affairs with bylines in the Jerusalem post and the times of Israel. He's a writer, a journalist Mm. who they think doesn't exist. So what I'm trying to get at here, will is you don't have the same human consequences. Mm -hmm. If you just are a puppeteer, you have 10 different writers. You can set a particular agenda, deep fake the identities because when people went to investigate, they're like, "This guy has no history. Who is this person?" Yeah, and the writer gets heat. The writer can get all the heat in the world because he doesn't exist. No yeah. one cares. Mm-hmm. There's no identity that you have to protect. And if the person gets obliterated and can't write any more articles, so what? Make another one. Yeah,
1: that's uh, that's pretty genius.
0: <laughs> so I think the thing people were worried about uh, uh, with the deepfake stuff is maybe not what they should be most immediately worried about. Mm-hmm. It should be more in this range where we read things and look at things. We participate in social media. We look at an article. We, we assume it to be a thing written by a human. We assume yeah. the source of our of our media to be human-generated. And by human-generated, I guess I mean individual identity-generated. And then our truth, the things we perceive to be true, are somehow tied up inside of public opinion and what the public is saying. Now, imagine you could unleash your deep fake identity onslaught onto social media to push whatever your agenda happens to be, Will, and then you and I would be there reading it as the bystanders, saying, I guess that's what people are thinking right now. Yeah, it's definitely going to be more covert. It could be one dude yeah. with an army that makes it look like an entire population believes the thing to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's scary. Anyway, there's some wild stuff. You can go read the article. It goes into far more detail. Uh, but this particular firm thinks that this face is abs- and this identity is absolutely not real. Hmm. Pretty amazing. Uh, this last one is interesting to me. Uh, I, I don't necessarily follow this really closely, but I saw this headline and uh, it was, uh, well, they put jaw dropping in the headline, which is going to get my attention. Yeah, Fertility rate. Jaw-dropping global crash in children being born, and this is not typically. This is. I don't think. I'm not sure that a lot of people envision the world as shrinking. Well, because it's not shrinking yet. However, uh, you you imagine a world that just grows forever. You 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 talk about population growth in places like India, China before that, and you just imagine a sort of an expansion. Like, oh yeah, humans are expanding, right? Well. Apparently not the case for very much longer. And there are some key uh, implications that come along with this that other people uh, at the same time may not necessarily expect. So your immediate reaction might be, okay, so if people are having fewer kids, then maybe that's better. Uh, Free up some farmland, stop polluting, (laughs) save the planet. And that may be your vision in the short term. But, But actually the way this works is that people just get really old, right, first, before you're, they're wiped out, before they die, they get really old. And if the ratio of young people to old people flips upside down and there's just way more old people, there's nobody to take care of them, mm. right? If, if if the population is is mostly 80 years old, who runs the facilities? Who does the medicine? Who delivers the goods and the food and the and all the rest of it, it gets flipped around and the workforce shrinks massively. And these numbers are actually kind of quite surprising. Falling for fertility rates mean nearly every country could have shrinking populations by the end of the century. 23 nations, including Spain and Japan, are expected to see their populations have by 2100, by, by year 2100. That's not that far away. No. Half. If people can't actually understand the scale the scope of implications for this. Property values, workforces, innovation, uh, healthcare. It's, it, it goes absolutely everywhere. Pensions, if they exist in, in, in those regions. The fertility rate, the average number of children a woman gives birth to is falling. If the number falls below 2.1, then the size of a population starts to fall. In 1950, women were having an average of 4.7 children in their lifetime. I guess that's a global figure. Uh... Research at the, researchers at the University of Washington's Institute of Health Metrics show a fertility rate in 2017 of 2.4, and their study, published, the most recent study, projects it will fall below 1.7 by 2100. Mm. So less than a replacement rate. Two people, to two two people to make two people, then mm. you have a, a pretty static amount. Well, it's actually 2.1 because of disease and infant mortality and other things. Mm-hmm. Well, how it ends up at 2.1. But all you got to do is get down to 1.7 and things fall off rapidly. Mm. As you might imagine, you don't have the replacement rate. Uh, as a result, the researchers expect the number of people on the planet to peak at 9.7 billion before falling to 8.8 billion by the end of the century. So we get close to that peak number that everybody was concerned about in the 1970s, overpopulation, not enough food supplies. We 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 they have a projection of what that peak looks like and then the fall down. So Japan's population is gonna be hit big. Japan's population is projected to fall from 128 million to less than 53 million by the end of the century. Hmm. That's tremendous. Mm-hmm. That's the population of Canada will 35 million right now. Oh. Japan. The way you envision it, can you just you gotta remove two two out of three people? No, maybe not that many, but close. Yeah, it's insane.
1: It's a lot more uh, surface area.
0: It's prop. So, go ahead, go ahead, Will. What you got? Well,
1: does that mean that production um, is just going to be slowed way down?
0: Yeah, productivity. Yeah. 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 The majority of productivity comes uh, via the working age group. Yeah. And so long before everyone gets wiped off the the uh, the data sheet here, long before everybody dies completely, they're out of the workforce for a while. You have something called retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's going to be it's going to be very difficult to watch it take place in a traditional manner without the replacement for people within the workforce. Keep the economy going. Pay taxes. Yes. Who pays the taxes, build the roads, bring the health care, all the rest of it. It's, it's not your, your, your senior age group. For the most part, they're out of the workforce. They're chilling out. They're living off the reserves, off the mm-hmm. retirement. So this even affects some of the big, big countries. The China number is uh, pretty amazing to see. It's on this graph right here. Uh, China's population was exploding for so long. Mm-hmm. Now it's obviously moving the other direction, or it will, over the uh, the coming 80 or so years as that population ages and then that replacement rate also isn't met. This study projects that 183 out of 195 countries will have a a fertility rate below the replacement level. So pretty much the whole world with the exception of some parts of Africa. Mm -hmm. And what's gonna happen here is there's a power shift takes place and a new value gets associated with immigration as you have to bring workforces in and open your borders a little bit say, Man, if we don't replace it. Mm-hmm. Now, in some countries, places like Sweden, they actually try to encourage, uh, incentivize the yeah. birth rate to try to avoid having this issue. And they were able to affect it a little bit from 1.7 7 to 1.9, but nowhere near where it would have to be to avoid the, uh, the collapse in its entirety. Mm. It's just a key piece of how we operate as a society is that as some move out of the workforce, new people come in to take their place and keep things rolling in, 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 at a certain pace. And without that happening, the, the, the whole world shifts into some other uh, situation where maybe you start to look towards technology to, I don't know, fill the gap, fill the void a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it would be hard to imagine a replacement of that level of productivity in that short period of time. Mm-hmm. Particularly in some of these nations, places like Japan, Spain. Spain and Italy are on the exact same course, looking at potentially half the population in as little as the next uh, 80 years. It's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's faster than than you would think as well. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know why I find this interesting. This is just interesting stuff to me. It does a it's not it's not your typical tech topic, but it's interesting stuff to me. So I throw that in there every so often. I put at the end, I throw that in there every so often. Well Yeah, why not? Uh